0: Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon. Let's see if I can do the tour today. A little under the weather. I went walking with my walking buddy, Rabbi Marwick, this morning. It was so hot, it kind of knocked me out. I can't be an old man over here. Um, so let's see if I can make it through this. Um, today's podcast, we're going to do the tour We're going to try to, which is year meo, obviously. We're now to three weeks, as everybody knows. Uh, today's uh, Tour is being sponsored as a joint effort. Um, by several people. Uh, first of all, Alex Fuchsman, uh, my old friend from um, Elizabeth, my old student, is doing part um, in, to honor the memory of, of uh, a good friend of his and ours, Alex Radin, Severin's father passed away not long ago. Uh, and as he says, <laughs> he was an amazing man, as we know, and uh, Mr. Raiden survived the Warsaw so Ghetto, that is true. Okay? And Look at all he has to honor his memory in spite of that, and uh, <laughs> and he never gave up hope and belief in Hashem. Well, that's certainly true. Mr. Raiden was a wonderful person for those of us who knew him, and I always liked uh, I always like this corny jokes. <laughs> I, always like, I always like the corny jokes because of uh, that's just who I am, and I'm gonna share <laughs> one with you because which I which he said over, I uh, last him in Florida. Because this is one you can tell your friends. <laughs> and he goes, in memory of Alex Raiden, Rashi's, <laughs> Rashi's wife comes home, and she's wearing a new dress, a pink dress. And she says, what do you what do you think? And Rashi says, I don't know. The color doesn't suit you so well. And she said, do you have to have a comment on everything? <laughs> it is a courty joke. <laughs> it's a wonderful joke. He was a wonderful person. He survived the war. I don't know how. In Poland, like you said, he was a little kid in the Warsaw Ghetto. And then he made it to England was in Schneider's Yeshiva. And then he was in Heimberg, and Sometimes we'll do justice to his memory. But anyway, thank you to Alex Fuchsman in, um, in Manhattan and in the Elizabeth. And uh, it's also Ari and Heather are uh, joining in to, to uh, sponsor part of this. And also uh, Jeff Ruderman. Jeffrey Ruderman, no relation to my Russian Yeshiva in, um, in Winnie it? Livingston, where I was, uh, I can't believe it. I spoke in Livingston before the corona. It sounds like another century, right, doesn't it? You know, it's been so long with the corona. You talk about something happened not really that long ago. I think it was last December, you know, December before last, I think. Uh, something like that. And uh, that really was not long ago. But anyway, thank you very much. Uh, Jeff is doing it in memory of his mom. I think the art site is today. I believe the art site is today. 17th Yardside, 20th of Thomas, I think, if I got it right. And uh, this is for Janet Ruderman. Uh, again, to Baswi Menachem. And I asked about it. She was a New Yorker born in the Bronx, first generation American, just like my wife's uh, grandparents. Okay. And they moved to Muncie uh, in 66 with her dad. No, with rather, with Jeff's dad, with her husband and three boys. And listen to this neither my parents had a formal Jewish education, but they put all their kids through Yeshiva. They worked tirelessly many nights with my father on projects and fundraisers to keep the schools going, the, the schools going I'm sorry, as Yeshiva Spring Valley and so forth. And Mansi Mesifta, which is now Shari Torah. I know this generation. These are the people who uh, ran bazaars and uh, auctions and all kind of fundraisers. They're, these nickel and dime things actually added up. And she must have been a wonderful person to put in time and effort like that because she cared for her kids. And because it had, you have a son now who wants to honor the mother's memory with a Dvar Torah. And that's it. So, Nisham should have an Aliyah. Very nice. Especially, I think, if today's the Yard site, that it's particularly an auspicious day. And now let's get down to the Haftorah, which I said at the beginning of the Yom. And, you know, the partial week, the partial week, always influenced by current events. And I'll tell you where I'm going with this. I think everybody knows, you know, you may not be an expert in in Jeremiah. Few people are. But everybody's more or less familiar, especially with the Haftorahs of the three weeks, and especially the beginning, where God says, I'm picking you, baby. And Yermiel says, I don't want the job, and God says, I'll pick you any. Anyway. And before you were born. By the way, there's a wonderful letter that I'm doing now in my series. After this is over, I'll put out a piece advertising my current lecture series. Uh, but the Rambam writes to... Um, and he's sort of apologizing for the the took up too much time. And he said, that from my womb, I was meant to be married to the Torah. I just paid too much attention to her handmaids. Uh, so it's originally from Yermi O. And God is saying, you know, uh, before you were born, I had you designated for this job. And even though Yermi says, I don't want the job. Not everybody wants to be a Novi. In some, it's a strange story. In some places, um, people strove for Nevoah. And I don't know, it's not possible to tell how much of this is exactly accurate. Meaning when he says, Ki, in the Pesach, he says, don't pick me, I'm a Nara. Right? I don't want, right? I don't want to speak. I'm too young. Now, does he literally mean that? There's a famous Abarbanel, I'm sure I mentioned in the past, the intro, the controversial intro of the Abarbanel to the book of Jeremiah, where he says he was young. That's why he makes tiktok mistakes. That's why Yermi in the opinion of the Abarbanel, who was had entitled to opinion, it was a super book in Tanakh, you know, he had entitled to opinion, and from, in the opinion of the Abarbanel, the book of Yermiel is written in a leery fashion inferior to other books, especially inferior to Yeshayahu, Isaiah, and so forth. And he said because Yermiel was too young when he started, he wasn't sufficiently educated, etc., etc., etc. The Malbim went ballistic on this. And if you read the Malbum's intro to Yermiel, here yeah, I'm giving you two things to look at if you're interested on Tanakh. And this week is the Haftorah, which is the first uh, chapter of Yermiel, so you can look at this if you're interested in it. You look at the Baalam's introduction. He says, "No, no, it's not true. Yirmiyoh has a good dictuk, and he's a good erit. And they're probably wrong. My brother was a from guy, but he's wrong, and uh, so on and so forth." So they're getting all wound up. How much of a nar was he? Rashi perceptively says, "I'm not keday I don't have enough standing with the people, as we'd say today. I don't have creds that they should listen to my torcha." This is what Rashi says. Moshe had to wait forty years before he gave him help, until he had creds based on the nisim that he pulled off. So Moshe racked up a lot of creds. You know what I mean? You have to, in order nowadays, ever to give. Mostly to somebody, you have to have standing with them. Now, that doesn't stop a lot of idiots running around and telling people off and so on and so forth. We know these are the people who are turnoffs and they're from community. Okay. But on the other hand, if somebody has the creds, they help you out financially. Otherwise, they were there for you, this, that, and the other. So then, they're at least they have some standing that can say, Listen, I want to give you a constructive criticism. You know I don't dislike you. Look how much time I put in. I've helped you so much in the past. So whatever I'm saying, at least from my perspective, I'm, t- I'm saying for constructive. Therefore, I'm telling you, stop drinking. Stop taking drugs. Stop talking this way, that. Stop talking in shoal. If you have a person who has some standing, you're willing to listen to them. You have some idiot just walks over and says, stop talking in because uh, Usually, it's a turn off. Now, I'm a rabbi. I'm in favor of people not talking in shul. Right? I'm, I'm in favor of that. But I've seen all my life. Right? In my shuls where somebody with no standing whatsoever goes to tell somebody else. All you do is turn off the other guy and they get into a fight or a hatred or something like that. So Yermio was saying very interesting. Rashi says at the beginning of, the, of Torah, I don't have standing with them. I haven't done any miracles with them. And God said, I don't care. I want you anyway. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm Hashem. I know God. Uh, I don't want to hear that. You go where I tell you to go you say where well, I want you to go Do you like it or not. So basically... Yamio is, is a unhappy uh, prophet, and God is telling them, telling him, I know you're going to be having a task to be unpopular. Get over it. Get used to it. Okay, and I know it's going to make you depressed, too. Bad. Altiro Don't be scared. I won't let them kill you. Right? I'll let you. I'll let them cuss you out. I'll let them hate you. I won't let them kill you. I'll, I guarantee you, you know, they they, you, they won't be able to, to kill you. And the story of Jeremiah is he's arrested. He's not killed. Okay? He's uh, dissed. And he's, uh, uh, as I say, criticized and so forth. Now, one way of understanding the, the prophet Jeremiah is it's just like the Greek Cassandra, you know, in the Trojan Wars. She has the uh, unhappy job of seeing, because it's a Navi, they see the future. The trouble is coming from the north. No, the Babylonian invasion is coming. And he knows that the people have to repent in order to avoid it. And he knows it's not going to happen. He knows it's not going to happen. But he's he's got a mission, an order from upstairs. And even though they don't listen, I want you you to say, tell them anyway. Now, I read you the other day, when we did last week's Haftar, about Michal, that the book of Jeremiah itself mentions Michal in chapter 26 as, in an earlier era, having been a successful prophet. Micha, it says in the time King, um, who was it? Chizkiyahu gave the people muser. And as a result, they repented. And as a result of that, the promised Chorban did not happen. That's what it says in chapter 26 of Yemiah. Okay, so there is such a thing as a successful uh, prophet. But then there's the other kind. And Yemiah is going to be the other kind. You say what's right, and no one's going to listen to you. That's that's a depressing. Okay? Especially when you see prophetically what the result's going to be. So it's like one of these Twilight Zone things. You tell a guy, don't drink and drive. Don't drive tonight. I had a dream. You're going to be uh, smashed up. Don't drive tonight. And the person drives. And you know it's going to happen. Okay? You know, did I tell you this? I read once uh, a book About the Secret Service that protects the President of the United States. Their pluses and their minuses. I can't remember who wrote it. Maybe Kessler or something like that. Years ago. About the Secret Service. And they have their protocols and all that. And obviously when the President of the United States goes somewhere, they send an advance team to look for assassins and all this other junk. And they plot out the route, I'm sure. You know what I'm saying? Um, We had Obama come here to my neighborhood. A couple years ago for fundraiser at Freeman, Howard T. And uh, I forget, you know, boy, they roped off everything. And it was a Friday, and they destroyed the, the beltway. You know, everything had to be frozen. And in the end, I wasn't here myself. Obama's a limbo, you know, at the end. Came down to the end of this cul-de-sac. And he got out, and so on and so forth. And they set up a a perimeter. I mean, they did, did naturally. Now, here's the point. See, so they got their procedures. When George Bush Sr. was the president, this is what the guy wrote in the book. So, he's going to go to Oklahoma in a certain place. And I think a psychic or something like that called up and said, don't go to Oklahoma. They're going to get killed. He said, ah, baloney. You know, baloney. You don't go by a psychic. And then the guy says, I have a prophetic vision, the psychic says. He's driving over an overpass that has this and this tree on the side and this and this lake opposite and blah, 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 give all kind of descriptions, and that's where the assassination going to happen. They said, had so much baloney. But just for the heck of it, the Secret Service sent the guy out there, And there was a place with an overpass with a tree on the side and the lake and all the way, exactly the way they they uh, described it. You know, the Secret Service called it off. Right? Suffolk nefoshes <laughs> Right? Pekoch neves. They didn't even go that way. I don't know if we went all together. Based on the psychic. So in other words, there... The guy had a vision and the people believed him. Micho was a prophet like that. Yermeo was not a prophet like that. He predicts the future, he predicts the Korban. You and I know it all happened. After all, we're now in the three weeks, we're getting close to Tishabov. He foretells everything, what the reasons are gonna be, and so on and so forth. And as helps garnish. People are just gonna go and do what they do, even though it will lead to disaster, and it led to disaster, because obviously it leads to the Korbin based on Biglish the destruction of Yerushalayim, and by the time the story's over, the depopulation of Eretz Yisrael, because once they kill Gedalia, and the other guys run away, with Yermiel with them, uh, voluntarily or, or by force, not a single Jew is left in Israel, that's what it seems, and, then, you know, the whole book ends on a disastrous note. <laughs> so, Yermiel therefore has a heck of a job, because, uh and he's saying, I'm, let's go with the posh shot like the barber I'm not a good speaker. Uh, let's say he really was a nar. I don't know if he was or not. Let's say, for argument's sake, he was a nar. So let's say he was 16 years old. What do you want me to do? I'm 16 years old. I don't have enough education yet. I'm going to go up and give mustard to everybody else and the claw he's wrong. I'm going to base a migdish like he was told to do and let him have it and tell the king what he's doing right and what he's doing wrong. You're not going to listen. Hashem says, I don't care. But you You go what I told you and you tell what I want to do. It's a strange story, okay, and obviously he's going to be super depressed because he sees, you know, like I said before, like Twilight Zone. Don't go, but I know you're going to go, and you're going to get hurt. I know you're going to. You're not going to listen to me. You're going to get hurt. We have a story like that in the Book of Lachem, where Michio tells King Achav, "If you go to battle, you get killed." And Achav don't believe him, and he's and the prophet says, "I saw a scene in heaven, and they're figuring out how to get you killed." And he lets get him to Ramah's Gilead. And let him fight a battle there and get killed. And Ahab said, that's all baloney. Which simply supports the prophecy. See, you're going to go there, you're going to get killed. And of course, he went there and he got killed. So it's that strange business of destiny. Uh, now, if that's true, then God has a sixth sense of fear. Why is he telling the prophet to do this if nobody's going to listen? That's the question in my mind in the book of Jeremiah. You know, what's this all out there for? So there's two ways of approaching it. But in light of current events, I would push this way. Uh, and that's the following. One thing you have from your meal and other prophets that we do not have today and sorely lack is the meaning behind events. Here we are. I'm in the uh, middle of the three weeks in the year 2021. Touching and aleph. In the local firm world, just let's keep it at that. You're hit with three things. You've got the stampede that took place in Mehron. You got the bleachers that fell down in the car land, and now you got the the, the building that collapsed in the surfside, and all these from people. It's not because they're from. I'm just saying, all these from people all got killed, and the whole world saying, "Why? Why? 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 What's it happened?" It's a natural reaction. Okay, why does it happened? Something bad happens. Why does it happened? By the way, nobody says this when something good happens. You know, if a guy gets a windfall, and let's say he hits the jackpot, and he gets a hundred million dollars. He doesn't become a philosopher at that point point, say, why did God hit me with this money? What does he expect me to do with it? That's already Madrigo. There you say, well, I'm grateful, and now, goodbye, I don't need you, God. You know, But what about the other way around? If a guy loses $100 million. A guy has a misfortune. Then you say, what did it happen? And especially if it's a strange misfortune, right? Uh, like, uh, the, like the uh, stampede or whatever the technical word is at Miron, or this surfside business, which is nuts. with the building collapsing. That's nuts. Right? So people say, why? That's a good question. As a matter of fact, from a religious person, that is the question you're supposed to ask. However, 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 the problem is there's no answer. By that I mean there's no authoritative answer. Since there's no answer, everybody has to interpret it. The problem with interpreting is heart kicks in always, without exception, and you end up interpreting in a way that favors you and this is the one you don't like. So, you know, the front guy will say, well, you, these guys not uh, keeping Shabbos, which is, you know, uh, forget the fact that, uh, I mean, they can't say that in Marone in the other place. But, you know, what I mean, it's a natural sort of thing. It's because of, uh, of Chesarin and Seneas. um You know, the girls aren't dressing right, the guys aren't dressing. Meaning they're looking for politically correct things to pin it on, which is a tremendous turnoff. Maybe the reason is because uh, from people them are cheating in business, I don't know. Maybe it's because of somebody's, uh, maybe because, uh, uh, you know, you know, maybe because the OU's are doing the wrong thing in I mean, I'm making this up. I'm simply saying nobody does the right thing. Which is, what am I doing wrong? Instead, it's you know, what's Alex doing wrong? You know, what's Shloimeh doing wrong? What's this guy doing wrong? That's the, that's the problem with interpreting, because you immediately interpret in a way that doesn't take away you from your comfort zone. We take away somebody else's comfort zone. You understand? Now, um, uh, what if I told you the reason that these buildings collapsed is because of the punishment—I uh, don't know—because people didn't want to wear a mask or something like that, or anti-vaxxer or something like that. You know, you see, people don't like that. So, you—you know, you, you want to interpret a way that that conforms to your norms. You see? Maybe a little bit. If we tell everybody, listen, because of what happened, disaster. You should, you should learn, a, a say a capital tell them every day. A like, hey, little bit people will do because, done the, you know, no skin off the nose. But something serious, they won't do. Now, when you had a prophet, it's a different story. Here, God is saying, this building collapsed for this and this reason. Or better yet, if you're a Yirmiyahu, he's like, guess what? In three weeks, an apartment building is going to collapse on Surfside, surf side. And here's why. Because people were talking in shul, or these chassidim were cheating a business, or this guy was unfaithful to his wife. Or this guy wasn't nice to some he's not from. Or whatever. You know, he's telling you a reason. Now, what always happens is, if you're dissing the other person, then everybody wants to listen. But if you're dissing me, then I get angry I say, that's not true. That's the, the, the curse of Jeremiah. Because he's always telling the Jews, this corbin is about to happen, and that disaster is about to happen. You know, this is the book of Jeremiah. After all, what does it say in today's Torah? God said, I've chosen you to be a prophet of doom. Um, it says, I've made you a prophet of peoples. Look at this. I've appointed you to be a prophet and foretell what's going to happen. The whole countries and the whole countries and societies, the totes, la rose, there's no and predict corbents and disasters All right, you predict, predict Corbins and disasters I'll give you the translation I've appointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to pull down, destroy, demolish, build up and plant all right so you're a prophet of doom now by the way, a prophet of doom is a good thing. if God forbid, I would get in trouble if I drove on this in the street. I would be happy if somebody gave a prophecy, don't drive in that street. Don't you agree with me? a guy said, don't go and invest in this and this thing, because it's going to crash. I would be happy the guy saved me from making a bad investment. But sometimes people don't want to hear that, because the person said like this, uh, if you don't uh, quadruple, uh, I don't know, the amount of money you give for Tzedakah, if you don't quadruple the amount of learning you do, I'm going to bring a disaster of such and such, Nobody's quadrupling the amount of learning. Give me a break. They're not real. You understand? They're not real. So if they ask somebody who... I don't want to get exact, you know... Uh, is doing something wrong. And, uh, and is really attached to it. And you say, well, as long as you have this... It's going to happen. They don't want to hear it. Now, in the pr- time of your meal... Uh, the two big things he's always dealing with... Is the fact that everybody... On the basic level, is idol worshippers, the Hamonam. Uh, they're, they're into Avodah Zorah. And they, that's number one. And number two, the king and the nobles follow a stupid foreign policy, which the prophet is always warning against, but they won't listen because they think they know better. Uh, this is the famous foreign policy message of all the prophets of Israel of old. And basically it was, stay out of international politics, don't get involved in these international situations, because Israel is too small to do that. The kingdom of Judah was smaller than the state of Israel. You're too small to do that. So whether or not Babylonia will rule the Middle East, or Egypt will rule the Middle East, or Assyria, or some other group, get out of the way. Whoever it is, you're not going to be anything. right? Israel won't be a, a major player. Israel, by being a small country, small people, is always destined you know, not to be a quantity per, uh, country. Israel can only count on being a quality country. Now today... In the more enlightened 21st century, we kind of understand it. Would you rather be a humongous country in Africa where everybody's starving, or would you rather be Switzerland, which is very small, but everybody lives well? For instance, I'd rather have the quality and not the quantity. But historically, people are always going for quantity, and that's how it goes. Now, um, the kings of Judah consider themselves smarties, which they were not, and the prophet Jeremiah is always bringing a message from Hashem don't get involved in all this. As he says, oh, I always never get tired of quoting the verse. If you cannot run with their dogs, how do you expect to run with their horses? Which means you can't even operate in small politics. How do you play that the, Israel should get involved in international politics? It, and by the way, Israel has this problem today and does its best, as far as I know, to get out of the way. You have the United States, which is Israel's closest friend. But Israel's also trying to cultivate relationships with Russia and China. I mean, I get it. You know, I understand why they're doing it. I saw BB a bunch of times in Moscow at the May Day Parade and the, the World War II Commemoration Parade and all that. And he's not wrong in doing that. You got to get along with Russia. But what happens when, and this has happened by the way, when America says, don't sell this to Russia, don't sell this to China, and so on and so forth, because you're going to take off America, because you're giving away our technology, whatever it is, then Israel's in a tough spot. Right? And you really got to get out of the way because we cannot be players in international politics between the big boys. Now, they were, the problem is that the kings of Yehuda didn't listen, and they got involved in the politics, and they were seduced by the Egyptians, which is always the way it goes in Jewish history. The Egyptians are expert seductionists and the Jews are expert idiots, that they seductees. So the Egyptians were the seducers, and the Jews were always the seducees. And um, it led to a string of, of disasters, including the Khurban, and uh, it's in Yermio. All this is in the book of Yermio. He says, don't rely on Egypt. It's a broken reed. You lean on it, it'll hurt your finger. It'll hurt, go through your hand. The same thing Yeshayo said, the same thing. And so, um, that's literally what happened. I mean, consider, well, the Babylonian Empire was pretty big. And Zedekiah, the king of Yehuda, the last king of Yehuda, was placed on the throne by the Babylonians. And basically, they say like this, just mind your business, don't get involved in any... Um, uh international politics and you can be the king of Yehuda and have a base of Migdish and have yushalayim and practice the Jewish religion and do all your stuff if that's what you want to do. Celebrate Sukkot and Pesach and Shabus and uh you know just stay out of politics. That's a good deal. And Your always always saying take the deal. It's a good deal. But you see they thought they're bit players, they thought they know international stuff and they got involved in the wars and eventually rebelled against Babylonia. They didn't have a chance. And obviously, the Babylonians end up destroying uh, destroying the Jews. Right? That's the that's the story, the long and the short of it. Now, um, that's one message. And the other message is stop uh, being unfaithful to Hashem and worshiping idols. He knows the people are not going to listen. The nobles and the others are not going to listen. Uh, when the Babylonian army comes, overwhelms the Jewish army, and surrounds the city in a siege, Yirmiyahu predicts the siege is not going to end well. Everything's going to be destroyed. The nobles don't go to him and say, gee, I guess we were wrong. And you were right, tell us what to do now. Instead, they want to kill him. And the king, who was not a bad person but was weak, arrests Yirmiyahu and holds him in a certain jail type situation in order to protect protect him from the nobles who want to kill him. So look what a screwball situation I just painted for you. And this is what God says, you got to give the message. And you got to say what you guys are doing wrong. But I'm telling you, then people will know how to interpret Properly, because since you gave a prediction beforehand, and the korban happened afterwards, so then it should be clear to everybody that the reason the korban happened is because you did avera x and y and z. Uh, now it was not successful. Whatever you want to say, it's not successful. If you read through the book of Jeremiah, you will see, especially at the end after the korban, they ask people why did it happen. They said, well, we weren't sufficiently um, assiduous in worshiping the idols, the, the Queen of Heaven, the Malka Shemayim. No, they thought. It's because of their shortcomings in, in practicing idol worship. Can you believe it? So Yumi sort of was going crazy, but this was he didn't have a he didn't have a choice. He has to give the message. Now on the other hand, clarity we have. Maybe in the time of Yehuah, the people were stubborn like oxes, but in subsequent centuries, uh, things got firmer, and then people could look back in retrospect, like you and I do today, and say, okay, thisness was predicted has happened. Now we know why it happened. So to give shorthand, by its reason was destroyed because the gilarai shvicha dama That's how the Chazal put it in you know in shorthand. Gilarai shvicha No big sins. Okay. So that from that I learned the lesson. Don't do gilarai. Don't do shvicha dama. Don't do avruzzar. That's the simplistic but plain straightforward meaning of the haftarah that we're reading today. Uh, Otherwise, I wouldn't know why it happened. So I'll give you an example from our own times. Uh especially we're talking about Alex Reagan. Uh Ronald went through the, the Holocaust. why did the Holocaust happen? Right? why did Hitler kill six million? The answer is, oh no. I repeat the words, I don't know. Now I know Robbie Victor will say this, and this one will say this. The Zionists will blame the Sottman, the software will bring the Zionists, everybody blaming somebody else. Get it? Everybody somebody else. So so then we walk around, uh, here we are, the biggest catastrophe that hit us in memory, and we don't know why. And then we fall back on interpreters. The interpreters will always blame the other person. Right? Interpreters always blame the other person. And the yeshivas now at the school, they're blaming, you know, the non from The non from will blame the, the firm for not leaving and so on and so forth. You know, it becomes a partisan, sectarian, and it's about getcha, rather than finding the truth. Because we don't have a prophet! <laughs> We do not have a prophet, and moreover, Jeremiah um, is faced with the fact that people are so shakua, they're so attached to their practices that even if you say it is going to lead to disaster, they're not able to to stop. That's the interesting thing; they're not able to stop. Uh, he says, "Stop worshiping idols." Somebody's really into idol worship, not like you and I. He's really into it. You can't just stop because some nubby comes and gives you a prediction. You understand? Your whole mindset is connected with this. Imagine today if somebody says there's going to be a disaster for Israel unless all the Jews in America start keeping shop. They're not going to to do it. It's not going to happen, and the result will be the disaster will happen. So your real job is to say, well, I put it on the record before it happened. I put it on the record before it happened. Now that's a sad reality, but that is the reason that they added the section called Nevi'im to the Tanakh. That is the reason. To say that there were people, and there was a time when God did send prophets, and then you actually knew the reason. It may be that the reasons were unpalatable, and they were. And it may be the reason made you feel very uncomfortable, and they did. But it's on the record. And you know what happened. And therefore you can draw some lessons from it. Okay? Collectively speaking, by the time the smoke you know, left the dust cleared, let's say 100 years after Jeremiah. Of uh, the lesson finally sank in, and that's when they were Mavatol the Yitzhah of the Zorah. It by no means solved all the problems of the Jewish people, but they said, Listen, Jeremiah was there, he said, If you do ABC, it's going to lead to XYZ. And we did ABC and it led to XYZ. Now we better stop doing ABC again because it'll be lead to a You have that language in Ezra and so in other words. Eventually, for the historical record, it worked. But in the short run it didn't work. You understand? In the short run it didn't work. So uh this is all sobering what I just said, and very uncomfortable if you take it seriously, because it means that we would have, have to ask ourselves, what did we American Jews do that we brought down such a disaster, let's say a place on serfside Or do you say, Well, it's not me. You know, I have nothing to do with it whatsoever. You don't know that. I don't know that. Maybe yes, maybe no. When I say maybe, I said, I'm not a prophet. I don't know. Right? I don't know, but maybe. And suppose it says, well, this calls for some radical change in our behavior in Baltimore or in New York or in Cleveland or in Muncie or wherever. People wouldn't like to hear that. Right? And he say, how do you know? Which is a good question. Suppose the guy says, I know. That's that's your meal. Right? He says, I know. And I'm going to tell you before it happens. But he also knows that it's not going to work to bring, not in his lifetime, to bring about the changes that could have prevented the disaster in the first place. So it's a sobering, uh, you know, uh, Haftorah. But hey, it's the three weeks. With that, I bid everybody a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.